Watching Marcus Freeman and Al Golden in the Fighting Irish take apart USC's football program like a Lego set was nothing short of entertainment. That's what that game was to me. That was one of the more entertaining games of the year to me personally, because in the preseason, when I predicted USC to go 9-3, and originally 10 and 2 but then 9 and 3 and so that 8 and 4 was a real possibility people said I was a lunatic well explain to me how this team is going to beat Washington, Oregon, Utah and UCLA without going at least 2 of 2 if not at best 3 and 1 which still puts them out of the playoffs even before the Pac-12 championship game And explain to me how Oregon and Washington right now aren't miles better and more complete than USC. USC's defense has been garbage since day one. Total trash. It's the least efficient defense in the country. ESPN's efficiency metrics would say otherwise. But you have Bear Alexander, you have Christian Roland Wallace, you have Mason Cobb. You have all of these great players... In the case of Bear Alexander, a five-star of high school, nurtured by Georgia, transfers to USC, and it's a finesse defense. There's no development, there's no application of scheme, and there's no execution. And then the night, being last night against Notre Dame, that the defense finally does execute, the offense looks like a hot mess. The offensive line allowed six sacks. Caleb Williams was throwing inaccurate balls all day. Receivers were dropping passes. The run game couldn't get going. Lincoln Riley looked as dazed and as frustrated as can be as if he expected to just walk into this game and win 51-48, to which you can't do every time. And to Marcus Freeman, who had questionable calls against Louisville and questionable calls and you know, game management against Ohio State, the game plan that him and Al Golden put together was like no other, because now I'm questioning how elite of a quarterback Caleb Williams is. After one game, three interceptions, one touchdown, 199 yards on 37 passing attempts. And for much of the game, if my memory serves me correctly, he was leading his team in rushing yards. I mean, it was absolutely berserk. It was lunacy. So for Notre Dame, fantastic win. Pardon me there. And for USC, the barrel of 8-4, 9-3, and immense pressure heading into the Big Ten is staring you right in the face. So what are you going to do about it? Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and they are who we thought they were. Many people, many, from all different types of fan bases, from all different teams, were in my comments section, you know, talking to me about USC, because I mentioned USC and how I thought they were not performing at a high level in a variety of prior videos. And even in my preseason work and content, I made a bold video talking about how I didn't think USC was a top 10 offense. And that was a very bold prediction, but a prediction that I had some belief in. The prediction was more to the credit of my potential power ranking system. And 
at least as of right now, I think there might be some merit to that. This game was absolutely nuts. And if you want to hear more coverage from me about these different games, preview videos, and if you're a USC fan, I know that I just, you know, talked about your team and didn't talk about them in a kind way for the previous few minutes, but they lost and they executed very poorly. And I imagine that you're very frustrated, as you should be. And with the talent that you have on the team, you should have performed better. And I imagine we can agree there. Welcome to the Big Ten. I'm excited to have the Trojans, the Ducks, the Huskies, and the Bruins in the Big Ten Conference. So please subscribe to the channel if you want to hear more content from me. And also if you're a USC, UCLA, or you know current Pac-12 fan, but your team's moving to the Big Ten next year. Because here at College Football with Sam, we and this community are the best when it comes to Big Ten football. So thank you so much for all of your guys' support. This weekend of college football was downright phenomenal. And please comment your thoughts down below and like this video. Tell me your reaction to this game, especially if you are a USC fan. Vent, try and be objective, either or, I don't care. And lastly... Potential Power did have a rough outing this weekend, much like last weekend, but I think it performed slightly better. It hit this game on the head. Notre Dame was favored by two and a half. Potential Power said that Notre Dame was going to win by two touchdowns, and Notre Dame ended up winning by four touchdowns. So if you want to get my Power Rankings input on game predictions, please consider checking out my Patreon page via the link in the description. You'll be thanked for your support at the end of the video, and if you're an All-American or Heisman tier, you will get that bonus content involving potential power, and also, perhaps, some other content in the future. Thank you so much, and let's get back to this, because, look, for USC and for Notre Dame, I mean, this, this is a big game. This is the biggest game for USC and the biggest game for Notre Dame, really, every year. This is an annual rivalry and one that probably won't die even with conference realignment. There's just so much history behind these two schools, the amount of NFL Hall of Famers, NFL draft picks, All-Americans, Heismans, etc. These are blue bloods, and a rivalry between two blue bloods is rare. I mean, I can think of Notre Dame, USC. I can think of, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, and then I can think of Oklahoma, in Texas. And outside of that, I mean, pardon me if this is a moment of vulnerability when it comes to my knowledge of football history, but outside of that, and Nebraska-Oklahoma, but that's kind of a dead rivalry right now, there aren't many rivals that feature two blue bloods. That's a very unique, special type of rivalry. This is a very important game. And for USC to go into South Bend and get humiliated like that, proves they never deserved to be in the top 10 to begin with because Ohio State didn't turn over the football. They made several mistakes just like USC, but they held Notre Dame to 14 in the same stadium, and they came out scoring only three less points than USC but winning. USC, on the other hand, had sloppy turnovers. They had five turnovers, only 302 yards, 23 first downs. USC, this right here is a total Lincoln-Riley moment. They had 34 minutes and 35 seconds of possession. Who cares? They lost by 28 points. At one point in the game earlier, in the second or third quarter, USC had a possession advantage. 
And I was telling my dad, because him and I were watching this game, and I was saying, you know, Notre Dame can't keep this up, where they're scoring because they're forcing USC turnovers, but then they can't put a consistent drive together. And USC, if they stop the mistakes and they stop messing up, is eventually going to wear down Notre Dame's defense, and they could come back and win. That never ended up happening. Notre Dame made their own set of mistakes, like celebrating after sacking Caleb Williams and nearly getting an offsides, and Marcus Freeman rightfully ripped his players and said, we have to be adults. And indeed, that was a moment of immaturity and too much emotion. And look, Marcus Freeman, for the mistakes that he made against Ohio State and against Louisville, which I was, I and Notre Dame fans and everyone rightfully questioned, we should give him his praise and his flowers and his olive branch here for this performance. He called a great game. And the offense was able to, in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, have a more consistent drive going. Whether it was a six-play, 68-yard drive that took up three minutes of clock, or Chris Tyree just had a bomb dropped into his hands by Sam Hartman. It was a beautiful touchdown pass. And then after USC drives down early in the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, and makes it within 11, and then Notre Dame's Jadarian Price effectively ends the game with a 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown that had the whole stadium in uproar. Notre Dame's team, roster, coaching staff needed this win. The fan base needed this win. Marcus Freeman... I guarantee you he needed this win. You know, it's hard when you lose in close fashion to Ohio State in the last play of the game, when you go into Duke and you barely come out with a win, and then Louisville, I mean, Louisville, to be quite frank, blew Notre Dame out. They had a late garbage time touchdown. This win totally restores confidence for a lot of Notre Dame coaches, players, fans. This is a much-needed win for the football program. And for USC, this is a critical, painful, but necessary reality check. Um, And we'll get to that later. But I really want to focus on Notre Dame and just the job that they did. And defensively, I mean, J.D. Bertrand, he led that defense. He had 11 total tackles, a half sack, one and a half tackles for loss. Him, along with Jack Kaiser, are, in my mind, all-American caliber linebackers. Great player. USC's defense in total had 69 tackles. 53 of them were solo. They had six sacks, 11 tackles for loss, five passes defended, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, two fumble recoveries total, one by Xavier Watts, the other by Gene Baptiste. And Benjamin Morrison had an interception, and Xavier Watts, on top of that fumble recovery, had an interception, two of them, in fact, and he returned them for a combined total of 61 yards. He also had that fumble return for a touchdown. Just amazing performance by Xavier Watts. I could have made him player of the game. In fact, in retrospect, part of me thinks I probably should, but Bertrand just leading that defense and organizing it, and then getting into the backfield, getting pressure, making key tackles. It was just really an impressive game. And Notre Dame, I talked about this with Michigan earlier today, 
this Notre Dame performance was a team effort. I mean, there are some games where this player is the obvious player of the game. No exceptions. That's not the case with Notre Dame here. Audric Estime had nearly 100 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Um, Sam Hartman went 13 of 20 for 126 yards, two touchdowns. He, he didn't, you know, blow away USC's defense. In fact, SC's defense, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, had one of their better games of the season, but he didn't make any turnovers. And this was a big game, and Sam Hartman typically struggles in big games. He did his job making clean handoffs, making good reads, um, throwing a dime to Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree has, you know, the argument to be player of the game over 60 receiving yards on two receptions. And that bomb, I mean, that took that took lots of air out of USC. I mean, USC, to begin that second half, they were on a, you know, 10 nothing run. That Dennis Lynch field goal, that was kind of a breath of fresh air. That gave them some momentum heading into the locker room. They were leading in time of possession, and they were within 11 early in the third quarter after Marshawn Lloyd ran in for a 31-yard touchdown on a well-executed speed option. That was where Lincoln Riley read the defense perfectly. Notre Dame was in man, very aggressive man, and it was just, it was perfectly called. That was a great play call by Lincoln Riley. And then Chris Tyree, Sam Hartman on six plays, 68 yards. That was just Notre Dame had every counterpunch. This is what good, great teams do. And look, Notre Dame has two losses. They're outside of the playoff conversation. It wouldn't shock me if they dropped another loss, whether it's in the regular season or more likely than not, probably the New Year's Six Bowl game that they make. Um, but I digress. They had every counterpunch. And on defense, like I already mentioned, Xavier Watts could be a player of the game. Um, you look at Javante Jean-Baptiste with a fumble recovery and a half tackle for loss. Benjamin Morrison with an interception. And you know Jack Kaiser being another leader. And that linebacker core overall, I'd say G.D. Bertrand and Xavier Watts had the best performances on defense. I mean, what Watts was able to do with those interceptions, just good awareness, made the play, read the defense well, and then Jadarian Price, that was incredible, that kickoff return. I mean, that was the final that was the final shank that caused USC to bleed out on the floor. That's what that was. There was no coming back after that kickoff return, and, and FPI reflects that. After scoring, Notre Dame had a 95% chance to win after USC scored a draw within 11 that kickoff return occurs, it jumps to 99.9%. You know, Little to no hope at that point with how much time USC had taken all game to get down the field and score. USC scoring drives, 5 minutes 25 seconds, 1 minute 30 seconds. Those were field goals in the first half. 3 minutes and 33 seconds on Marshawn Lloyd's run, and 2 minutes and 9 seconds on Brendan Rice's 7-yard pass. USC had to take time to drive on this Notre Dame defense. They had to be methodical. They couldn't play backyard football. They had to execute. And there were times where, of course, Caleb Williams makes plays, like he always does. But Bertrand and Watts and Morrison and Al Golden and Marcus Freeman, they all did a great job of trusting each other, 
and putting each other in a position to win. And I say that in relationship to the players and coaches because there has to be trust between them. And in the same way that Marcus Freeman and Al Golden, you know, talk about defense and, you know, Marcus Freeman manages the team as the CEO, his players have to, you know, report back to him and and trust him as their head coach. And they did. Notre Dame rallied after that humiliating loss to Louisville. And and at the same time as part of me and many people were thinking that Notre Dame's going to respond here and, and beat USC, which I thought they would do. I predicted that to happen, albeit not in a video like I wanted, but I still did via my weekly Patreon posts, which include predictions against the spread and for who's going to win outright. There was also a chance that Notre Dame was going to totally collapse and that USC could come in here and come out with a good win. That's not what happened, though. And Notre Dame's defense was a huge part of that. So whether it's J.D. Bertrand, Xavier Watts, or you want to go offense and say Audric Estime for punching in those touchdowns, for being tough on the ground, weighs over 230 pounds and yet has incredible speed, vision. Guys built him, he's built himself up. It's very impressive. Great performance by Notre Dame. It would be so much more interesting in retrospect. I know that many of us love chaos as we're college football fans. It'd be so much more fascinating if Notre Dame beat Louisville, because let me you know check their schedule, and we'll probably talk about it in a few minutes. But from memory, outside of a road trip to Clemson, and I don't think Clemson is at this point any team worth an ounce of significance in comparison to Notre Dame, they shouldn't lose a remaining game. Like they will likely go ten and two. I could totally see nine and three, or they lose to a team they shouldn't lose to, or they lose to Clemson. Um, regardless, but the toughest part of Notre Dame's schedule is over. So for Notre Dame, the goal, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, I think is, you know, winning your first New Year's Six Bowl since the 1990s. That would be a a legitimate badge for Marcus Freeman to add to his resume and, you know, like put, put that pin in his jacket. That'd be really good. For talking about USC. Okay, so Lincoln Riley, good football coach, elite offensive coordinator, um, how do I put it this way? Questionable CEO. That's what I would say. You have over 300 offensive yards. You only get two touchdowns out of that. So even with a late blooming offensive performance, you, you still can't put up more than 20 points. It's kind of sad. The offense is clearly overrated. We already knew that the defense was, you know, bleh. It was above average in this game. On the whole season, it's not above average. It's still like one of the worst defenses in all of Power 5 football, perhaps all the FBS. But they have enough talent to where they can put together performances like the one they did against Notre Dame where the defense can, you know, perform at an above average level. But for USC, you have to go back to the drawing board. And seven games in, this is your football team. Now, there are you know teams who can make late jumps and who can come together, who can rally, who have toughness, or they have you know a deep enough roster to where they can make that switch. Alabama's one of those teams, even though I don't think this Alabama team will end up doing that, but Alabama has such talent and a good enough, you know, obviously 
good enough head coach in Nick Saban, the greatest coach in the history of college football, to where they could turn on a switch if they can find that switch or if they can, you know, figure out how to fix the switch because I think there are some broken things in that specific football team. But regardless, there are only so few teams that can look the way that USC does and then pick themselves back up and move forward. Michigan did it in 2021, speaking of, you know, a team who Notre Dame is very familiar with. Michigan did that. They lost not in the same blowout way, but they got humiliated in their own way by Michigan State in 2021, a team who they felt they were better than. And I imagine there's USC fans who entering this game obviously felt they were better than Notre Dame. And some USC fans understandably might feel like it is that way or that it should be that way. Indeed, it should be that way. Um, I think Lincoln Riley for now still has to be credited as a, a coach who is at a similar level, if not a better level right now than Marcus Freeman, but it's very close after this game. I mean, I gained respect for Marcus Freeman. I lost respect for Lincoln Riley after this game. 48-20. The offense just reeked of fraudulence. And listen to USC's remaining schedule here. They host Utah this Saturday, um, the 21st of October. It's going to be an 8 p.m. game, Eastern Standard Time. USC's favored by 5 I don't know, because Notre Dame's offense struggles. If they can't get big plays, it's sort of like a mediocre, average, maybe above-average offense. Notre Dame really relies on the big play to get going. Um, Utah probably has a worse offense. I think they have a better defense than Notre Dame does, and I don't know, honestly, how USC will respond to that road loss. That's a losable game. At Cal... Probably not a losable game, but it's before their matchup against Washington, and USC doesn't have a bye. You know, the 21st they play, the 28th they play, the 4th they play against Washington. Those are three games in a row without a bye. Then, the 4th, they play Washington at home. They travel on the road to Oregon November 11th. November 18th, yes, USC does not play on the final weekend. Of November. That is their bye week, which honestly, that's pretty poor scheduling. You know, you your your rest is assumed to be before the Pac-12 championship game if you make that, but at Oregon, hosting Washington, USC, or not USC, UCLA and Utah, and then a trap game at Cal, who's proven they can score some points, USC could finish eight and four here, or nine and three. 10 and 2 is possible. I, I don't think 11 and 1 is, but at 10 and 2, you could miss out on the Pac 12 championship game depending on the tiebreakers. And you'll definitely be out of the playoff picture. So this is tough for USC. If, if they want to reach the playoffs, they have to win out. And I'd say they have to win out in dominating fashion because they're 18th in the AP poll, they're 16th in the coaches' poll. Any logical college football playoff ranking would not have them top 15 right now. This team is, they're, they're not great. They're not. They're above average to good. And the defense, they had one good performance. Who cares? It's against a Notre Dame offense that is not close to elite. And 
Alex Grinch defenses are not, you know, they're they're not like let's just say, well, I don't know it. It they're not 2020 Don Brown defenses for crying out loud. They're not the worst in college football history, but they're close. It's a fluky performance. I mean, the defense is not going to perform that way against Washington or Oregon, maybe against UCLA or Utah, but then USC's offense might lay an egg against those elite defenses in the same way they did against Notre Dame's. So there's a lot of questions. I think they're going 8-4 and four or 9-3. and three. I think losses to Washington and Oregon are very likely. And then Utah, UCLA, I could see them drop one of those games. Um, it's going to be very difficult for Lincoln Riley if that ends up happening. I don't know if that will or won't happen, obviously. I don't know the future. But Grinch is likely gone, even though this loss was more on Riley than it was Grinch. The defense, especially scoring defense, is it's an atrocity. I mean, you look at USC right now, they're allowing 30 points per game. And they haven't even faced Washington and Oregon yet. Cal will score points on them. USC will score something. UCLA probably will too, because they have potential on offense. Um, So they're second in points per game with 47, but they're allowing 30. And those statistics are only going to get worse. Defending Grinch is going to be impossible, especially with a move to a much tougher Big Ten conference that features Oregon and Washington, the two best teams in the Pac-12, moving there as well, along with rival UCLA, who, all things considered with starting a true freshman quarterback, is doing well for themselves right now. For Notre Dame, we like to talk about, you know, the best for last. Here, we save the best for last. Marcus Freeman coached the best game of his career, and his team is stout and tough. And the offense, even though it wasn't anything, you know, breathtaking, it was efficient. We look at Notre Dame's remaining schedule. They only have four games left. And the biggest one for them, if they want to reach New Year's Six Bowl, Notre Dame's not going to a New Year's Six Bowl if they go 9-3. and three. They're only ranked 15th right now. Another loss probably puts them outside of the top 20 in the final college football playoff rankings. Definitely outside of the top 15 which means they're you know not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Depending on how everything finishes out, they may not even go to a New Year's Six Bowl at 10-2, and two, but I think they will. They have a bye week, much-needed rest, to heal, to recover emotionally and physically. Then they host Pittsburgh, which will be a 3.30 game on NBC the 28th of October. They play at Clemson November 4th. Clemson probably won't be ranked, and look, Clemson is just getting, they're somehow getting worse every year. It's nuts. Uh, They host Wake Forest, the Irish do, after another bye week on the 18th of November, and then to close out the regular season, they have a rivalry game at Stanford. You shouldn't overlook any of those games, but Notre Dame, in my opinion, is decisively better than all four of those teams, and with bye weeks placed two bye weeks in that four-game stretch at the beginning and the middle, I see Notre Dame beating all of these teams by double digits. Even Clemson, I see that happening. So Notre Dame, I think it, it's on. You know, Going to a New Year's Six Bowl and trying to win the first you know big postseason game in fighting Irish history since ni- the 1990s. 
And that would be big, especially with the 12-team playoff coming next year. Because, let's face it, the the 12-team playoff next year will be the college football playoffs and what we think of now as the New Year's Six Bowls and maybe the Citrus Bowl. Those will be semifinals. Those matchups will be semifinal matchups. That's what the 12-team playoff will be. So it'll be really an extended bowl season, an extended playoff, and the tradition of the bowls, you know, that'll be gone. You know, the Rose Bowl, for example. It'll never be the same with the Pac-12 being dismantled and the 12-team playoff on top of that. But whatever. Whatever. There will be, I mean, expanded playoff. What used to be the New Year's Six Bowls will now be, you know, the bottom half or bottom two-thirds of the college football playoff. Um, what used to be the New Year's Six Bowls will be the college football playoff matchups that aren't between top four teams because the top four teams get a bye in this system, which I, you know, I don't necessarily like that, but that's just personal preference, if I'm being honest. I'd rather it be a 16-team playoff, no buys, top 16 teams, you know, maybe the 16th slot is saved for the best group of five team to reward the one seed or, you know, whatever. I actually like the idea of an expanded playoff. I don't think it'll necessarily bring, you know, parity, but whatever. It is what it is. And for a team like Notre Dame who isn't in a conference and losing one regular season game is a death sentence, this helps them get into the playoff. And if Marcus Freeman is truly building a team who, you know, is going to be better than whatever Brian Kelly brought Notre Dame with better recruiting, better development, a more Notre Dame type of identity then you know go out and go out and win win the new year six bowl and win the games before that win the four games left on your schedule you're six and two you're stout you're tough you're efficient you beat a team by 28 points despite them out gaining you in 50 yards and having 10 more minutes of possession you forced turnovers you made the you know reigning heisman trophy winner look like a mac quarterback it was just an amazing coaching performance and job put on by Marcus Freeman and that staff. So congratulations to Notre Dame. And again, like I mentioned earlier in the video, that was a very entertaining matchup for me because USC, I want teams to be competitive in the Big Ten with how they're currently built with Grinch's DC and how they you know, like to toy around on the offensive line. It's not going to work in the Big Ten. Um, Michigan right now would blow out USC. It would be it'd be 28 or more points in the margin of victory, except there wouldn't be that many turnovers. Michigan would just straight up own USC and put 400, 500 yards on them. Ohio State would be similar. Penn State would be similar. Iowa, after watching last night and watching Notre Dame's defense just pick this offense apart, what would Iowa's defense do to this offense? And knowing Grinch's defense, would Iowa look competent on offense against this defense? I mean, there are just so many questions when you start comparing USC to Big Ten teams. And also, future fellow Big Ten members who are currently with them in the Pac-12, what can UCLA do on defense to you know fluster Caleb Williams? And how is Grinch's defense going to stop Washington and Oregon from scoring on every drive on them? And how is the offense going to score points on a Washington and Oregon defense that are aggressive, that can stop the run, can get pressure, and also play well in coverage. So 
So many questions for USC, but for Notre Dame, the tough part of your schedule's over. You've crossed that, and now what you have to do is you just have to continue to execute, be efficient, and you'll be rewarded. A, you know, a 10-win season would be massive. That'd be big time for Marcus Freeman. A 10-win season would be. That would be absolutely big time. And, you know, potentially 11 wins if they win their New Year's Six Bowl game, if they win their final four games. An 11-2 and two season with a New Year's Six Bowl win, that gives Notre Dame recruiting momentum that earns them respect. And I don't know how many players they'd return next year, how many current players have eligibility, but I'd imagine they'd be a program that's talked about entering 2024, especially with the schedule that features a matchup with Texas A&M and obviously USC and some other teams that make for another interesting schedule with, you know, good matchups. But that's all I have to say in this video. Thank you guys so much for watching. I want to give a quick shout out to my Patreon supporters, Spencer Bringhurst and Noah DDLC, my All-Americans, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Noman, Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Check out my Patreon page via the link in the description, and also like this video, subscribe, comment your thoughts down below, and click the notification bell. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.